Dave Gilbert here. Today we'll be asking and discussing the question, are Christians called to win? That's coming up next on Band of Christian Brothers. Band of Christian Brothers. Hello and welcome to the Band of Christian Brothers program, where men are emboldened to grow in faith and virtue, ultimately for you to become the man God is calling you to be. I'm your host, David Gilbert, and you could find Band of Christian Brothers online at bandofchristianbrothers.com or subscribe and download to the podcast from iTunes or Google Play. You can follow us on Twitter or you can find me on Twitter at Gilbert Speaker. To discuss and answer the question, are Christians called to win, we have Gregory Watson, who won't leave the studio. So, uh, Greg... <laughs> Welcome to the program. I feel loved. I feel the love. Maybe not from you, but from all those people out there in Radio Land. We all love you. And at the very least, Jesus loves you. That's right. So, to, about the question, you know, are Christians called to win? Um, you know, are we called to win? I mean, you hear a lot about winning, whether that's Donald Trump winning. on the campaign trail or even now as he's president about winning, or even Charlie Sheen, who I think kind of coined the frame winning. Winning. Um, You know, are we called to win every day? Is is this the gospel, and is this why Christ died, to make us winners? I guess guess it would depend on what you mean by winning. Um, I mean, I don't think Charlie Sheen knew what winning meant. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what Donald Trump meant by winning either we're gonna win 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 you're gonna get so tired of winning you're gonna say mr president please 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 it's, it's too, too much, much winning please. we can't take it anymore then maybe well he's, but, <laughs> he's president he won well he yeah and then anyway <clears throat> but uh did america i think it's winning i don't know we'll see but anyway um when it comes to winning in the spiritual life, I mean, when we think of winning, we think of, you know, material prosperity, we think of, you know, wealth, fame, success, you know, whatever it is that that, that means in our, in our own lives or in our own desires or goals, achieving those is, is what it means to win. And I'm not sure that uh, having that kind of material prosperity or success in this world is what the gospel is all about. Um, you know, just to reference Charlie Sheen again there. He's a rock star from Mars. Yeah. Uh, we don't have the tiger's blood. We have the blood of Christ. And that's what it's about for us. About the cross and about that sacrificial, uh, penitential suffering with him that is how we win we win mm-hmm. by going the way of the cross and following christ through those periods of of suffering and, and hardship of purification and of growth and holiness well and that's and that's the thing that's that's an excellent point because i think 
you know, you hear about the prosperity gospel, right? And mm-hmm. and and even you know, at the pulpit at, at our own local Catholic churches, right? God wants you to be happy, all this other stuff. And yes, happiness is important, but that's not why Christ is here. Mm. And you know, at the same time, we need we are called to die to ourselves to carry our crosses, whether that's us as husbands, where you know, in uh, in uh, Ephesians, right? St. Paul says, you know, husbands love your wives. And he goes on to say, you know, as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He laid down his life for the church. And so yeah. that's what we must do. We need to, to lay down our lives. We need to willingly embrace our crosses and and lay down our lives so then we can serve, so that, you know, we put aside our old self and, you know, our new self we are called to live in the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times that is called to service. That's called to, you know, putting down our needs and desires and, you know, serving others. And even mm-hmm. if you look at the early church, right, I mean, they were persecuted, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or even go before that with the disciples, right? The disciples yeah. thought, okay, you know, um, you know, their world was turned upside down. Christ was was arrested. He was killed. Mm-hmm. They were defeated. <laughs> like, what? What more can they do, right? So yeah. I think, if if we're just uh, just as a basic answer, I think are we called to win? Uh, the answer would be no. Right. We are called to serve. We are called to die to ourselves and serve God, serve our neighbor, our brothers and sisters. Um, and you know, if we win, quote unquote, I think the only thing that we need to win is eternal life and we only yeah. do that by being faithful to God's will. Right. I mean I will I will quibble with one thing you said okay. that that you said that Jesus didn't die for us to be happy. And I will disagree with you there. That Jesus did come in order to bring us happiness. It's just that happiness isn't what people think it is. You know, um Thomas Aquinas actually writes a lot about this in in, in his Summa and talks about, you know, what will make us happy. And you know, will what he he actually goes through? He goes like, will wealth make us happy? Will honor make us happy? Fame and and you know, everything like that. No, these things won't make us happy. At least not perfectly. You know, they might make us happy to an extent, but that happiness will fade. It's it's transitory. It's temporary. What will make us truly happy is a life of virtue, of living according to the the teachings of Christ, of following Him, like you were saying that suffering and and willingness to to give up our own desires our own selves will make us happy and even then in this life we're not going to be perfectly happy only in the next life when we're fully united to god in heaven be able to comp- contemplate his his mystery his majesty forever will we be truly happy and that is what christ came to give us and so saint paul writes that we beat our bodies, we, we train ourselves to run that race so as to win, to win that eternal crown. But in this life, what we're going to be doing is not necessarily going to look a lot like the common stereotype of what winning is. Yeah, well, maybe we're... Uh, like, I don't agree, uh, I don't disagree with anything that you said, Greg. Maybe maybe the issue that I'm, I'm bringing up here is making a distinction between happiness and joy. Mm, maybe. Right, because I think happiness is just thrown around a lot, and I think happiness is more of that, you know, that that temporary self-serving, you know, gratification, 
uh, of, of fulfillment or, or what have you, where joy is more this, this internal uh, joy that we receive from, you know, living a holy wife, ultimately grounded in Christ, right? And right. so so maybe maybe we're talking about the same things, right? but I'm I mean, coming if, from the viewpoint of, you know, happiness is different from joy. Right. It, joy we should always have because, you know, if we're followers of Christ— uh, then you know we should have that joy because we've had we have that encounter yeah. with with Christ with our, with our Creator, but you know happiness if if we're happy, I think that's that's a bonus. Yeah. But Christ didn't come there for for our happiness, right? Like you could be someone locked up in jail, and still have the joy of Christ mm-hmm. within you. Yeah. But you might not be happy in the sense of your life circumstance. True. And right? and and I'll go with that. You know, if, if we want to make that happiness versus joy distinction, then that's, you know, that's a great one. Um, in English, you know, happiness ha- shares its root with happenstance or, or happening. Like, so happiness in, in and of itself is, you know, in that understanding is that feeling that is dependent on what is happening in our life. Mm-hmm. So if... if that good things are happening in our life that will make us happy. But if, you know, those good things stop, then we won't be happy. But we can still, as you said, we can still be joyful despite mm-hmm. the circumstances. We can still have that that peace, that um, that satisfaction that comes from a, a close intimacy with, with Christ, even in the midst of our sufferings and in the midst of our trials. Yeah. And, and how would you, uh, I guess someone would probably ask, okay, well, you know, you're in jail, um, and you you have this joy, right? You have this joy in Christ. What is that joy in Christ? Because, you know, obviously if I'm having a good time with my friends, my family, whatever, like I'm happy, right? There's no stresses, there's no worries. Um, but, you know, that, that fades. Like once that moment's over, it's it's over. Where this joy is is longer lasting. How does one get to that point of finding that joy within Christ? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never been in jail per se, but I mean, it, it kind of feels like jail since you won't let me leave the studio. Get uh, out of here. I can't get you to leave. <laughs> no more meals and beer, man. <laughs> Bread and water and get out of here. Uh, you know, but I'll still I'll still have joy. That's right. Joy knowing <laughs> that you have a relationship with me. That's it. That's it. <laughs> um, to answer the question, though, uh, you know, when we get to that, that point, you know, we... I think we have to get to to that uh, first to that understanding, and you know to go back to what Saint Thomas, you know, I was referencing Saint Thomas there uh, when when he's saying that um, happiness will never be truly perfect in this life. Uh, he makes the point that the first step to experience true happiness or or joy, as we're calling it, is to understand and to acknowledge that. Perfect happiness, perfect joy is not attainable in this life. That when we when we recognize that, you know, to go back to the theme of our show, when we recognize that Jesus isn't calling us to win, then we can start to actually win. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's kind of the, the paradox of of Christianity. You know, as uh, you know, to to put it another way, Jesus in uh, in Second Corinthians says to to Saint Paul. You know, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. You know, it's 
it's not about what we can do or, or, or what we have, what we can get. You know, it's uh, that old, you know, the old adage, it's not, it's not what you do or, or what you have, it's who you know. And, you know, in the Christian life, that's, that's particularly true. You know, it's, it's not about our contribution. It's about knowing and having that relationship with Christ. It's about having that intimacy with him. And through his grace, then we can start to, to merit the eternal life, to, to start making progress in holiness, to live lives of virtue that eventually will lead us to that great reward. Yeah. And I think, too, when it comes to winning, you know, I, I'm reminded of, um, I think it was St. Mother Teresa who said, you know, God doesn't ask you to be successful. He just asks you to be faithful. Mm. Right. And I think that's a lot of times where it's like, okay, a lot of people know they have a calling from God, whether that's, you know, a particular vocation, whether that's to be married, single, religious, or, or priesthood. Or, you know, it could be uh, a vocation within a vocation, right? So you, you might already be married, but God's calling you to serve in a particular way, whether that's, you know, becoming a deacon or, you know, um, being involved with a, another apostolate or starting up another apostolate. And a lot of people are just trapped in this sense of fear of failure, right? Or this fear of, well, I know this is God's call, but what if it isn't? Mm-hmm. It's like this little seed of doubt. And I think it's grounded in this fear of not winning. Yeah. Because, I mean, if it, if you knew that this was called from God and you knew the outcome after saying yes, if you knew mm-hmm. the outcome it would be a lot easier. But because we don't know if we can win, a lot of times we say no to God's call. And and so I think that's another thing is that we, we can't be concerned about what the outcome will be in the sense of, you know, the, the temporal or worldly results. Uh, we need to be faithful. And that, that needs to come first, is we need to be faithful to God of whatever he's calling us in, regardless of what the outcome will be in terms of winning or losing, if you want to put it in those sense. Right. Um, I listened to a, a podcast called Catching Foxes, which is uh, two Catholic guys that uh, favor discussion over instruction. And it's, you know, it's very kind of off the cuff, and, but it's, it's, a, it's a good podcast. But they were discussing this kind of very issue on a, on a recent podcast. And uh, one of the co-hosts asked the other one, he's like, what's the one word that should never be used to describe or to, to um, use it in connection with describing your ministry or your apostolate. And uh, his answer was success. Like if you're, you're a youth minister or you're, you know, uh, you know, parish, you know, whatever coordinator event running guy like you with, uh, with Servium or whatever, you know, success should never be the determinant. But he said, impact, that's a word that should be used. Yeah. You know, Or fruitfulness. What are the fruits? Exactly. Fruitfulness, impact. Like, it's not about how many people, you know, what numbers that, that are coming out, but how many, or not how many, but whether or not the people who do come out are actually, through what you do, are they encountering Jesus? Mm-hmm. What sort of impact are you leaving when they leave? How long does does the effect of of what you've done in their lives? How long does that last? How long or how 
how far along their road to holiness does that help take them? Mm-hmm. Awesome. I yeah. don't know what else to add on that point, man. All right. So, show's over. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, show's not over, but you know what? We'll take a break and we'll be back right after uh, this. All right, and we're back. And so uh, while we were at the break, uh, Greg, you were saying that you wanted to touch upon a couple other points that uh, we were talking about earlier? Yeah, uh, to go back to uh, especially the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the the focus. You know, when, when we ask, you know, is the Christian life, does that call us to win, uh, or calling us to win? What the Christian life is calling us to is to embrace our cross, to carry our cross. Um, I remember, uh, you know, when I went to Bible college as a Protestant, when I was, you know, studying to, to learn the faith and to, to proclaim the faith, um, I ended up sort of accidentally discovering the Catholic Church there, and that's what ultimately led me to my conversion. And uh, ironically, uh, Martin Luther, the founder of Protestantism, <gasps> I don't know, right? he helped me on my way back to the Catholic Church. Um, I grew up Pentecostal, and... Uh, there are some strains of Pentecostalism that that tend to go in for that very health and wealth and prosperity gospel. Um, you know, Benny Hinn, Joel Osteen madness that's uh, that's out there these days. And um, you know, I mean, granted, my you know my parents and and most of the people you know that I grew up with, they knew that 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 health and wealth wasn't you know authentic Christianity. But I mean, honestly, it's it's very enticing, you oh, know. Yeah. God God wants you to be successful. God wants to bless you. You're a son or daughter of the king, and you should live like princes and princesses. And you know. well, I was well. It's almost like uh, those whole self help stuff, right? And oh, they yeah. just sprinkle some Christianity on it. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Make you feel good. Yeah. Self help chapter three verse sixteen. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and. Uh, but you know, so there there was a lot of that, a lot of that, uh, um, that prosperity kind of message that that Jesus didn't just come to save us, to reconcile us to God, and and you know bring us to heaven, but that he came to give us worldly wealth, health, and and success. And uh, so while I was at Bible college and and studying the faith, I was uh, my second semester of theology. I was. Um, writing a paper on the cross. It was inspired by reading uh, St. Anselm of Canterbury in his book, Cur Deus Homo, which uh, translates to, Why Did God Become Man? And it's all about the cross and how he became a man so that he could suffer and die in our place to satisfy the, the wrath of, of God towards our sin. And because he was a man, he could pay that on our behalf. Because he was God, it would be an infinite value uh, offering so that it would completely atone for all of our sins, and just this this meditation on on the incarnation and the crucifixion uh, inspired me to, to write more about the message, the depth, the beauty of the cross. And uh, in the library, I found a book called um, "The Way of the Cross or the Way of Glory" by Martin Luther. And so I'm like, well, that sounds pretty much what I'm writing about. So I picked it up and I read it. And, you know, he's he's contrasting that, uh, you know, in the religious life, some people can be very, you know, pharisaical. They can be, you know, all about 
being spiritual in order to attain glory in this life and and success and privilege and status and and whatnot. And of course, the subtext for for Luther was that he was criticizing the uh, the excesses and abuses of of Catholic clergy, and and so when he was writing about the way of glory and decrying that, he was actually pointing his finger at the Catholic Church. Whereas we should be, you know, again more willing to suffer and be humble and lowly and carrying our crosses and 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 you know following Christ that way, and of course he was saying that his way was was that way. But when I was reading it in in my context of coming from Pentecostalism that could very easily tend towards that health and wealth and prosperity gospel, I ended up, you know, reading that book and thinking to the very little understandings and experiences of Catholicism I had, which was all about crucifixes. Like they were everywhere, obviously. And the whole point was the cross and and seeing Jesus suffering and and identifying with that and understanding his love through that and understanding our call to suffer with him to to go through that that the trials and the self um self discipline the self negation that comes from taking up our crosses daily and following him and so from my reading of that book it was the Catholic Church that exemplified the way of the cross and the Protestant Church that ex- exemplified the way of glory. Quite the opposite of what Luther intended, he helped me on my way to becoming a Catholic, um, which I always found kind of ironic. But uh, when it comes to that, you know, like um, I help out at, at our parish as a sacristan for, for the weddings that happen there and Father's homily, you know, because they only have one wedding homily typically. And, yeah, uh, unless it's know, like a friend or something, then that's they change it. it up. That's it. So I feel like uh, if, if he's ever sick, I could go up and preach that homily for him as long as he's there to, you know, bless the rings. And you know. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but he uh, he always talks about, you know, how um, in marriage, it's a it's a life of, of self-surrender and, and of offering to the other and making that other person the most important. It's a life of, of authentic love and authentic forgiveness. And he, he says, if we ever need to see or, or remember or um, incorporate a model of that kind of love into our marriage life, all we need to do is, is look. And he points to the crucifix. And he says, all we need to do is look there because that is the truest example of, of what love is. And, you know, so the, the cross, especially the crucifix, is so central to who we are as Catholics, who we are as Christians. It always saddens me a little bit when when I go into a Catholic church and, and it's not a crucifix. It's, uh, as as my buddy likes to call them, it's a risifix. It's the, the yeah. resurrected oh, Christ. I call it the touchdown Jesus. Touchdown Jesus. Touchdown. Yeah. That's all right. When I do the wedding rehearsals as part of my sacristan duties, if if I have a, the Catholic, or the people getting married or, or people in the wedding party aren't Catholic and I'm trying to tell them when they go into the pew they're supposed to genuflect and they kind of look at me like I'm crazy I'm like Tebow <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's Tebowing just Tebow before you go to like well you know like Tim T anyway so, take any yeah, take, yeah. Tebow before you go into the to the pew in front of uh, touchdown Jesus uh, <laughs> that's right <laughs> but um, you know and I mean I understand the whole like 
obviously the resurrection is important, but there's just something about the crucifix itself, seeing yep. Jesus on the cross. And I know like as a, when I was growing up Protestant again, it's like, well, we have an empty cross because Jesus isn't still on it. Well, but Catholics don't, like I was actually, you know, told that Catholics didn't believe in the resurrection because we have Jesus still on the cross, which is ridiculous. But, yeah. uh, you know, Jesus on the cross just reminds us of what he mm-hmm. went through to save us, yeah. but also of what we are called to imitate. Um, you know, St. Paul writes about, you know, how through many trials and, and through sufferings, we will enter the kingdom of heaven, that um, we will reign with him in glory if we suffer with him here and now. And we don't we don't get to the winning part until we go through that part that feels the most like yeah. losing. Well, and that's the thing, right? The winning part is when we die, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and that's the most important thing, right? And I think too is, you know, thinking about it in, in another way is the gospel, you know, it, it's kind of like a, an inversion of human values, right? Like yeah. God's ways aren't our ways. Mm-hmm. And like time and time again, God uses the weak to humble the strong. Yeah. You know, uses the dumb to humble the wise. And, you know, it's the same thing. And even with Christ, right? I, I think, what, what was it? Like the Beatitudes or the whatever? Beatitudes, yeah. You know, it, it's a complete inversion of what we would think would be winning, <laughs> right? Yeah, and God's saying, blessed be the poor in spirit. It's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, but, no, 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 that the rich are blessed. That's right. Like, but I, I was a youth minister at a church in a, in a fairly rich neighborhood. And uh, the priest told me one time about how he had to essentially fire the, 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 the children's liturgist person because she literally taught the kids that they were affluent because God loved them more. Yeah. And it's like that that's exactly no. that that's that's wrong. And, that's and the thing is is like so many levels. We are called to be stewards. So if yeah. God if God has like being rich is not bad. No. Right? And and if God has blessed you with wealth, with with affluence, or or it doesn't even have to be monetary wealth. If mm-hmm. he blesses you with influence, yep, or or other responsibilities, with talents. we are we are called to be stewards, right? Yep. And we're going to be answerable to God afterwards. What did we do with what He gave us, right? If, and so that's the thing. It's not bad to be rich. It's not bad to be have influence. It's what do you do with it? And yep. are you using it to build the kingdom of God? And is it for His glory? And if you are listening. And you are well off and you feel convicted to, to donate, to help spread the kingdom of God. Make your checks out to Servium Ministries. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, remind me to pay you after this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that plug. But, uh, but, but anyway, so I think, you know, it's only by embracing, I think, that, that death, death to our lives, right? And I think that's when we, when we truly recognize that, you know, we're we're dead in the sense that we need to lay down our lives. That's when we can truly start living, right? And and by embracing that death and the way of the cross, because that's the other thing, right? I mean, if we're followers of Christ and Christ suffered and Christ died, then what makes us think that we can avoid it, right? If, if the master has gone through it, then we, the servants, will also go through it. Yeah. And so I think that's very important that we need to, to remember and that, you know, the way it, that we can enter is into the joy of eternal life. And, and our winning is at the end. It's not now. Right. If, if we have some winning now, that's great. 
but that's not what we're called to. That's not why we're here. Yeah. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, um, he writes, This is in fact what you were called to do, because Christ suffered for you and left an example for you to follow in his steps. You know, it doesn't say Christ suffered for you so that you can live a happy life without any suffering. But he says, he suffered and left an example for you to follow in his steps. Yep. And how many times do we complain and grumble about our first world problems? Yeah. And look at what Christ went through. Yeah. Right? And it just puts things into perspective. But then also, too, when you put that into perspective, then it's an opportunity to offer it up. Be like, Lord, I offer up this suffering for you. Or I offer up this suffering for, you know, the souls in purgatory. Or... I offer up this suffering for, you know, overcoming a particular temptation or, mm-hmm. or a particular weakness that or a flaw that I may have, right? right. Or we so, offer it up for the salvation of souls or for sick loved ones or, yeah. or others who are who are sick. Yeah, or the conversion of family or friends or loved yeah. ones. So, All right. Well, um, so I guess the answer would be, are Christians uh, called to win? No. 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 Not, not in this life. Not in this life. Not not in a worldly win, but again, as you were saying with St. Paul, we train to win the prize, and that prize is eternal life, not happiness in this life. And yep. But if we do have happiness in this life, that's a bonus, but that's not why Christ died. Right. That's why we're not here. But we are called, yeah, we are called to bring that joy that we have in Christ right. to others. That's it. And that's what we are called to it's do. It's not about the happiness that comes from happenstance but about that deep and abiding peace, that joy, the fulfillment that comes through the relationship with Christ, through our yep. suffering, our trials, our struggles, yep. our self-sacrifice. That's right. And we need to do that with joy and bring that joy with others. Because mm-hmm. I know for me anyways, I know when I'm suffering, I'm not the most joyful person. No. <laughs> I'm not bringing that joy for Christ. So I think we need to be be that joy in the world. Yeah. Amen, brother? Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Listen to us at bandofchristianbrothers.com, iTunes, or Google Play. And remember, iron sharpens iron. Become the man God created you to be. Signing off in here today. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm going home now. You better. <laughs>